Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been invited to a party that was a really big celebration, maybe a wedding or graduation or something, tons and tons of people there, and you had a good time, but somehow by the end of the evening, you never actually managed to even really say hi, let alone talk to the guest of honor, the bride, the groom, the you know, graduate, whatever. This happens to me all the time. Pastors often get seated with the creepy uncles back in the back. So. Well, something like that happened last week. You see, last week we had a party here, right? And you probably had some kind of a party with some friends or family, maybe at home or went out to brunch. It was a great day, right? Flowers were in full bloom, smelled amazing. We had lots of people here. It was super, super fun. And someone was missing. I don't know if you noticed this, but someone was missing from the party last week, and it might surprise you. Jesus... Now, I know Jesus can go anywhere Jesus wants to be and is everywhere and always and so forth. But literally, in the story that we read last week, there was no Jesus. Had the women go to the tomb carrying burial spices, expecting to see a dead body? But the tomb is empty? And a couple of messengers send them away saying, He's not here. He's tired of hanging out with the dead. He's out there and is alive. Go tell the others. They tell the others they think they're joking. A couple of them run to see. Indeed, the tomb is empty, but still, no Jesus. The first time in the Gospel of Luke that the risen Christ actually shows up in the story is this story today. Now, it was later on the same day, so technically still Easter, so it's not like he missed the big day or anything. But Jesus did not appear at the tomb. He didn't appear to the women who loved him enough to anoint his dead body. He didn't appear to the big 12, or now, unfortunately, 11. But rather, the first place the risen Christ deigns to show up on his big day is with these two strangers. Cleopas, who we've never heard of and will never hear from again and some companion who doesn't even warrant a name. And they can't even recognize him. Can you just imagine for a moment how, how intriguing this is? Right? I mean, Jesus gets two huge days, right? Two Super Bowl Sundays, if you will, Christmas and Easter. Christmas, you know, you can't really have a birthday celebration without the baby, so he's there for that one. But this is his other big party, right? The other big celebration of the year. And he's not even there. But rather, spends that first day with these guys, whom no one knows, and they don't even recognize him. What's going on here? I mean, seriously, in the Gospel of Luke, other than a few little stories about John the Baptist and his family, Jesus is kind of an important character, right? Like, every story stars Jesus. If this was a Broadway musical, he would never take a breath or leave stage. If there's ever a story in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus isn't the main character, it's because he's the one telling the story. And yet here, on Easter Sunday, he's not there. He's out there with them. 
Well, clearly, the early church, in the days and years following the resurrection, had a challenge. And the challenge was, there was no Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus had left the building. His body wasn't in the tomb. And Jesus, after some period of time, wasn't around anymore. At least not in the way he was before. Not in the way you could see or touch that he could heal or teach or hug or any of that. He was gone. Now the story goes, and we confess in faith that he ascended into heaven, but that's not exactly something that's going to sell it to many of your neighbors, right? Of course he's not here. He's, you know, beamed up. So what were they to, to tell people? And more importantly, where were they to go to find Jesus? This one whom they had come so close to. This one who had had called them and loved them and healed them and forgiven them and and given them this, this hope, this promise. Where were they to go to find Jesus when Jesus was no longer in the building? And what's clear is that, at least for the the community that gathered around the Gospel of Luke, that began to tell the Jesus story in this particular way, they quickly discovered that Jesus was very much alive and well and, and able to be found if you knew where to look. And indeed, the place you go to find Jesus now is in the same place you found him before. That Jesus follows a pattern. Just Go where you know he was before, and you will find him now. So where was Jesus before? Well, there are, at, there are lots of things about the Gospel of Luke that stand out as particular interests and emphases of that Gospel, but there are two in particular that you just can't ignore. And if you've been here since Christmas, we've been reading the Gospel of Luke straight through, it's real hard to miss these two things. And one is that Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, more than any other Gospel, is obsessed with anyone who isn't there. He has an eye that is fixed on the empty seat at the table. Anyone who has been left out, anyone who has been pushed aside, anyone whose life has fallen to pieces and doesn't find that it's possible to come to the party, anyone who is brokenhearted, anyone who has been despised by others, anyone who is lost for any reason that people might be lost, Jesus is looking for that person and will do absolutely anything in his power to find them and to bring them home. It is the Gospel of Luke that gives us the prodigal son, the lost coin, the lost sheep. This is a God who is desperate to seek out and to save the lost. So where else would you find Jesus on Easter Sunday, his big day, than way out there with those two strangers whose hearts have been utterly shattered, whose life and journey are now totally shrouded and defined by these four crushing words. But we had hoped. Ah. But we had hoped. We had hoped that this would finally be 
our time. We had hoped that God would finally rescue us from despair, from empire, from brokenness. We had hoped that there would be light in this dark world. We had hoped for nothing. For absolutely nothing. Have you ever hoped for something? Hoped desperately that something would be different, something would change, something would be light in the midst of your darkened world, only to have it snatched away. That's the people whom Jesus desperately longs to be with. Are those who had hoped for 5, 10, 20 more years of life with our beloved. Those who had hoped that maybe, maybe he could turn it around and this marriage will work. Those who had hoped that maybe this job will pan out. Those who had hoped that this new treatment will finally do the trick. But we had hoped. And here we are. On the road. Out of town. Not really sure where we're going. Because what is there to live for? And Jesus shows up precisely there and says, hey, what's up? And of course they can't see him because their eyes are dim with grief and loss. But Jesus says, tell me your story. What's going on? And they tell him. They tell him what they had hoped for and what had happened to their hope. And Jesus does this hard but holy work of of putting their story together with God's story. Saying, well, okay, so here's, here's what God has done in the past. Here's what God has promised. Here's what God has been up to. Does it ring any bells? Does it put any pieces together for you? Does it make any sense? And it didn't make a lot of sense up here. But somehow it bypassed the brain and started to get into their guts and into their heart. And they felt something stirring. Has that ever happened to you? Something is happening. You're not quite sure what. Can't quite put your finger on it, but there's something moving. Something going on, and it's not just gas. Not just heartburn, as they identify, right? Our hearts were on fire. Something's going on there as their story and God's story come together. But it still doesn't open their eyes, and so Jesus does that other big thing. That other thing where Jesus was always showing up, the thing that Jesus loved to do perhaps more than anything else except for find and save the lost, and often they went together. And that is, Jesus loved to eat. This is why I love the Gospel of Luke. Okay? Jesus is always eating. And so he tries to open their eyes and they cannot see. And so eventually he says, okay, look, do you have any bread? Anything to eat? And they sit at the table. And though he is the guest, he becomes the host. And four words. Four words begin slowly, 
although fairly quickly for these guys, it's a little slower for others. Four words take the place of those other four. But we had hoped is replaced with took, blessed, broke, and gave. Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And suddenly, instantly, they saw He is not dead. He is risen. And he's right here doing what he has always done. Finding and saving, seeking out those who are brokenhearted and lost and feeding them. Heart, soul, mind, spirit, and everything else, feeding them with God's own promise. And Jesus is there. And Jesus promises always to be there. This is what happened when Jesus was on the hillside with thousands of people. Maybe Cleopas and his friend friend were there. When Jesus took and blessed and broke and gave, and suddenly the multitudes were fed. Maybe they were there that night, on the night he was betrayed, when he took, blessed, broke, and gave, and said, anytime this happens, absolutely anytime, you do this in my name, I will be there. I will be there for you. Always for you. And indeed, this is where Christ is to be found. Of course, Jesus can be anywhere at any time. Jesus is God. But we know for certain that if we are ever lost and alone, if we are ever heartbroken, if we are ever at the end of our hope, It is precisely there that Jesus will come alongside, together with his body, that is y'all, okay? This is your work too, to come alongside all who are lost and alone, and to put those stories of brokenness together with God's story of promise, until something stirs, and then bread is broken. For it is in broken bread shared among broken people that God makes God's body whole. And that's us. And I would have trouble believing that too if it had not happened so profoundly for me. But when I was absolutely at the end of any hope, when my life had come absolutely crashing down many years ago, and I had pushed any thought that God would have anything to do with any of that ever again, Something skipped my brain and dug into my gut and drew me to the table, that place where I had been fed since I was a child. And there at the table, it didn't happen instantly, but week after week after week, together with other broken people, desperate to be found, my eyes were open and I could see Glimpses, sometimes bright, sometimes dim. But I could see that indeed, Christ was not only risen, but he was there for me. And he is for you as well. And for all this broken world. Out on the road, and here at this table, 
Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.